Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Start Your Week from the Bunker, where we set up the news stories of the next seven days. I'm Justin Quirk. Joining me this morning to work out the week ahead is political commentator, Bunker regular and the well-informed Virgil to my curious Dante, here to guide me through the current affairs underworld, Alex Andreu. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Justin. What an introduction. <laughs> well, we aim, we aim to please. Um, so cracking straight on, big story queuing the week up is the Tory leadership race. All other contenders have now been eliminated and we're left with Rishi Sunak versus Liz Truss. Bask in that for a moment. Uh, what's your top line assessment of how this is going to play out over the weekend, Alex? Um, so my firm prediction was that Sunak will ultimately win because of how the debates will go, despite what the polling is currently showing. I just think Truss is not quick thinking and not in charge of her own brief, let alone the cross-section of issues that she needs to be aware of as PM. I was quite sure of this last week when we knew the final two. I am since more equivocal, I have to say, because I just hadn't anticipated just how partisan and openly screeching for trust, the mail and the express would go. Mm. And I suspect once the Telegraph gives up its idiotic bring back Boris campaign, we'll probably join them. And so with all the right wing press agitating for trust, it creates an extra obstacle for Sunak. But ultimately, I think conservative members are relatively risk averse, especially after a period of chaos. Last time they decided to go for a sort of unpredictable candidate. And my sense is that they will go for the person best placed to win the next election. And I think that patently is Sunak. Interesting. Well, tonight at 9pm is the BBC One debate, our next Prime Minister. Um, what are the key attack lines you think we can expect from each candidate? What are the Achilles heels they'll be going for? I mean, immigration is the subject on which I have majored over the weekend. Um, but I suspect they will just agree on this and try to sort of outbid each other. A- anyone you deport, I deport faster sort of thing. Um I suspect Truss will try to embarrass Sunak on not acting to control inflation faster and also not cutting taxes faster, which is, of course, something that would make inflation worse, but why be consistent? 
and Sunak will try to embarrass Truss for promising basically things she cannot deliver. They will attack each other on many topics, but my sense is that tax will remain the completely central battle, battleground of this leadership race, which is quite extraordinary if you think about it. If you think that these are two people who have sat in the same cabinet um, for years, if you think that the reason the previous prime minister uh, has fallen is not because of some policy, but because of dysfunction in the in the administration machine, because of rule breaking. Neither of the candidates is offering any kind of fresh start, any kind of plan to clean up uh, Downing Street. They're just going on minutiae of policy differences. So both of them are in a way continuity candidates of the sort of stuff that caused Johnson's downfall. I suspect they both think that people will look at them and think that the fact that they're very different personalities to Johnson will be enough in itself to stop the the rot. But I don't think that's the case when it comes to, for instance, the influence of donors. You have to actively do something to change that. It won't change things when it comes to the ministerial code and the fact that the prime minister is effectively in charge of starting investigations into himself. You have to actively do something to change that. And neither of them are offering anything. This weird story broke on Friday where people noticed that non-nationals with no vote in this country could simply join the Conservatives Abroad group and secure a vote in the leadership election. Um, Is there any proof or evidence that this has been used for entryism or is being manipulated anyway? I mean, I know you tweeted about it on Friday. Yeah, I mean, I I think, I, I mean, we're trying to find out the numbers of members that have joined under this scheme but Conservatives' uh, headquarters won't release them. But in any case, that isn't the point. The point is that it's possible. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. the point is not whether it has happened. It can't happen now anyway, because you have to have joined three months before the the date of the ultimate uh, closing of the polls. So um, you couldn't join now and vote in this election anyway, But, you know, this leadership race has hardly been a secret, right? Mm -hmm. It's been quite heavily hinted at for uh, probably since last November, December, certainly since Johnson got the fine. So the point is we don't know how many people have already joined. You know, I, I went along, I put in a totally bogus name, and the address of my local Greek supermarket in Mykonos and was accepted for membership. So, you know, I don't know that it would be difficult for for a troll farm in um, North Macedonia or Albania, which is where many of them have been traditionally, to set up, you know, a thousand um, fake email addresses and join up as several people. That's the point. And you mentioned there earlier the insane campaign for Johnson to be reinstated, which is being sort of memed into existence <laughs> by online petitions and even actual grown-ups in the right-wing press. Um, is this going to go anywhere or is it a 48-hour story? 
well, primarily Christopher Hope. Let's you know, yeah. let's call a spade a spade. He's the person that's been agitating for this from the start. The three behalf of, of Westminster. Yeah, on behalf of uh, uh, Johnson's former and I suspect future employer. I mean, I don't think it will go anywhere. To be honest, I cannot think of anything more damaging to the Tory party and the body politic than it going somewhere. It is already pretty unpalatable that a tiny group of people get to impose the choice of PM on the rest of the UK. Imagine if a tiny subgroup of that tiny group gets to impose their choice of PM on the rest of UK. And with a decision of the Standards and Privileges Committee pending, which could impose a sanction that triggers a by-election, I mean, it could be catastrophic for them. But then again, catastrophic is a is a good description for many of Johnson's decisions. So maybe this is exactly what will happen. Please, Sir George. <laughs> Moving to world news and over in Ukraine, we've had obviously almost no actively good news out of the country for months now, but there was at least a glimmer of hope in the last few days when a deal was signed between Russia and Ukraine after months of negotiating by the UN and Turkey to finally allow grain exports to resume through the Black Sea. Um, Why is this so important, Alex? Um, So the first thing to point out is that it's not a deal really directly between Russia and Ukraine. It's a deal between Russia and the UN and Ukraine and the UN, with Turkey acting as a sort of monitor enforcer. Nevertheless, it is very important because, after all, the only way out of a war, especially with a nuclear state, is diplomacy. And this is a tiny first step, you know, at least we're getting a little bit of Georgia. I mean, while the deal doesn't end the fighting, it is, as you say, the first significant piece of diplomatic success that we've seen coming out of these processes. Uh, According to the FT, Roman Abramovich, former Chelsea owner, was a key link between the two warring countries. Um, Why would Russia have agreed to this now? I mean, their outriders in Russian state media have been genuinely shockingly open about the potential for weaponizing famine as a way to gain leverage over the outside world. So what may have changed their mind? Oh, because I think it's hugely important to Russia. I mean, if you think about it, the deal is not that important to Ukraine at the moment. Ukraine is not suffering from grain shortages. Um, Ukraine's economy at the moment does not... Uh, subsist on ordinary trade. It's getting enormous amounts of help from the outside anyway. And so the deal is actually more important to Russia. And that's for three reasons, I think. The sanctions are really hurting Russia. I mean, everyone is assessing the, the sort of terrible consequences of Russia turning off its gas supply to Europe for Europe. Few people are assessing the consequences of that for Russia, namely penury. And so Russia doesn't want to escalate trade sanctions further. It wants to de-escalate them, and this is a way of traveling down that path. The second reason is Russia needs to somehow, I guess, rejoin the world stage, and this is a way of doing that. The third and possibly most important reason is that grain shortages are now beginning to hurt places like Egypt 
um, Indonesia, Bangladesh, Pakistan, and indeed Turkey, some of which are key allies of Russia, they're beginning to hurt Central Africa, which is incredibly important to China's initiatives of building sort of roads and ports and airports and infrastructure and all the money it has pumped into that region. So all these things are being used as threats. And because we tend to be fairly Western-centric, we're always very eager to assess the consequences on our world. But I think it's important to stop and assess the the consequences of grain shortages on the world of Russia, China, and their allies to assess an escalation of trade sanction on the world of Russia, China, and their allies, to assess the high global inflation and the damage that's doing to trade to Russia, China, and their allies. And and then you will find that actually both sides are pushing pretty much at an open door on this. And despite the deal, two Russian missiles still hit the port of Odessa in the early hours of Saturday, while this week, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov is on a tour of three African countries, explicitly blaming their food shortages on the West. Um, Mm -hmm. Just in brief, do we think either of these things are likely to derail the deal, or is it likely to... No, I don't think so. I mean, the, the rhetoric will continue as it is, and we can pretty much ignore it. I actually had a chat with Arthur Snell to to refresh whether my memory in this is right or hazy. I think ceasefires often fall apart in the first few hours. In fact, they are most likely to fall apart in the first few hours. A lot of things need to happen for them to take, that take time to trickle down the command chain. So let's be positive and think that that was a you know a lack of communication or someone going rogue or something like that, which often happens with ceasefires. Fingers crossed. Um, mm. Meanwhile, across uh, Europe particularly, very much a developing story this week is the current monkeypox outbreak. On Saturday afternoon, this was declared a global health emergency by the WHO. This puts it uh, categorically on a par with COVID, Ebola and polio not sounding great. Uh, what's the current situation here, Alex? I mean, it... It puts it on a par in terms of the World Health Organization saying that um, countries need to pay attention to this now in order to stop it from spreading further. It doesn't put it on a par with those diseases in terms of, for instance, um, fatality ratios. And so I think while it is an incredibly dangerous situation, and we now have, I, I think the latest estimate I saw was 16,000 cases across 75 countries, which is why the World Health Organization is becoming interested. It's because of the cross-border spread, essentially, that triggers that process rather than the sheer numbers or the actual danger of the disease itself. And so you're, you're in a situation where you have a disease that is incredibly serious but rarely fatal and much more difficult to transmit than COVID. And also there's a vaccine after you catch it. And so the World Health Organization is simply saying, everyone pay attention to this now so that it doesn't blow up. 
and hopefully the COVID experience of the last um, few years will mean that people take this seriously at an early stage before it becomes a massive problem. We should uh, say for listeners as well that most of the key NHS hospitals are doing walk-in vaccines for men who are particularly at risk. Um, I know this was the case over the weekend, but if you think you may be, obviously those services are now available at your local hospital. Um, Staying domestically now, um, it's been another bad week ahead for anyone who wants to go anywhere. (laughs) The weekend saw complete gridlock descending on the port of Dover um, when they voted to end freedom of movement. They really meant it, uh, with queues of up to seven hours leading to the Eurotunnel and Folkestone. Um, This seems like a perfect storm of events here, Alex. What's happened? Brexit. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that's what happened. You can can try and... And they have been trying to polish that turd yeah. all weekend, but you really can't. I mean, it's gratifying to see that the fact that UK government ignored an offer from the French to double infrastructure, rejected that in 2019, is re-emerging in the press, and a lot of people are becoming aware of it. But the point is that everyone knows this is Brexit. Mm-hmm. Even the most deluded Brexiteer, their their protestations seem brittle and lack energy. They know it's Brexit. Everyone knows it's Brexit. And authorities are warning that these scenes are likely to be repeated every Friday and Saturday through August. Mm. So this week's going to see it again. Um, these are the sort of very visible signs of structural failure that are the kind of thing that governments absolutely dread. Um, are we seeing any concrete moves by politicians yet to address the problem? No, because there are no politicians to make any concrete moves. I mean, we are ruled by a caretaker government largely on holiday. The accusation has been that Johnson's checked out. I've seen, I've seen interviews with senior cabinet ministers going out on media rounds in the last week. All of them have checked out. All of them are missing parliamentary committee hearings. They're just cancelling them. Mm. sometimes minutes before they're due to appear before them, like Priti Patel did, all of them know that their job is probably not going to last past the 5th of September, and none of them care enough to do anything about it. Additionally, with travel chaos, the RMT union said a strike by more than 40,000 rail workers will be held this Wednesday. There'll also be a walkout of members of the Transport Salaried Staffs Association who work for Avanti West Coast on the same day, along with the vote of ASLEF members and port workers in Liverpool regarding mm. strikes. Mm. Um, where's the public mood on this, do you think, Alex? Well, it's mixed. I mean, it's always mixed, isn't it? It's one of the areas where you you actually get an idea of what's going on from Vox Pops. They don't belie what's out there in, in polling. People basically are broadly supportive. I mean, they understand the imperative. They think, if I had a strong union, I'd be demanding mm. um, a big raise considering where inflation is at the moment. So everyone is sort of supportive when it doesn't affect us directly and becomes less so when it does affect us directly. But, you know, ultimately the granular detail of this, it doesn't matter. It it all blends into a fog of chaos for which people always blame the government in situ. There is no counterexample It doesn't matter if it's a Labour government ruling or a Conservative government ruling. When these things happen, when large-scale strikes happen, 
and things fall apart, the public turn on whoever is in charge. They don't turn on the opposition, even when the opposition is a Labour one. Um, and so I think that's going to happen. So I think in summary, best advice is if you're planning on your holidays this week, take a packed lunch and a large bottle to urinate into is probably the uh, best advice the show can give you there. Well, yeah, and another bottle of water. <laughs> yeah, stay hydrated. Two, two separate bottles, yes. <laughs> Don't get them confused. And finally, tomorrow night sees England taking on Sweden in the semi-final of the Women's Euros. Uh, the tournament's felt like a huge step change in terms of the visibility and profile of the sport in this country. Uh, why do you think it's caught people's imaginations? Because it's really very good. You know, it's mm. good football. I've been following women's football for a while because my niece is a pro soccer player in the States. And what what's impressed me most is how defensively the game has developed because I remember maybe 10, 15 years ago, they were quite high scoring um, and less defense, less physical defensively, but that is definitely not the case anymore. I mean, it got very good as more money was pumped into it mm. and it got more professional, which is what advocates of women's football have always been saying. They've always been predicting that you can't say the game is weak when you don't support it at grassroots level. If you support it at grassroots level, if you put money into it so people can be full-time professional players, then the game will get better and better and better. And that, of course, is the case. And you're... I think the Lionesses will do it. Um, I, I don't know about the final. I'll have to reserve judgment on that. But I think the the semi-final, they will do it. The, the, the way they made it into the semi-final will have done their confidence, I think, an immense amount of good. They, you know, in football, there is nothing more dangerous than a team who believe they can win a game even from behind with minutes to go. It's literally the quality that made Manchester United so dominant when they were dominant. Um, This sense that it doesn't matter if we're two goals behind with 10 minutes to go, we're still going to win this game. And opposition's feeling like they can do that. Um, it changes everything. It changes the way the other team defends. It changes the way you go for it. And so that's my prediction. I think they'll they'll get to the final. Fingers crossed. And that is Start Your Week. Alex, thank you for getting up early today. Thank you. My pleasure. Listeners, thank you for joining us. If you're enjoying the shows we produce, the best way to keep them coming is to follow us on Patreon, where a few pounds a week can directly fund shows like The Bunker and Oh God, What Now? and help us make new ones like Origin Story and Doomsday Watch, which are available now. Just search Patreon Bunker Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow for the panel show. The Bunker Start Your Week is presented by Justin Quirk with Alex Andre. Audio productions from me, Robin Lieber. The producers are Jelena Sofronovic and Jacob Archbold. Assistant producer, Kasia Tomasiewicz. Lead producers, Jacob Jarvis. Group editor, Andrew Harrison. Theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. And The Bunker is a Podmasters production.